Let's go! Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, back at it again. Another, another, another. Get myself together. But again, back at it again. Another Wednesday. Wednesday, or Wisdom Wednesdays on the Wisdom app. Uh, again, as always, I'm Sons Inspire. Founder and CEO of Losers Inspire LC. I'm a guide, meaning I generate, uplift, inspire, develop, and empower you to overcome loss, live, inspire every day, forever, because that's life. My method in doing so, I like to use my personal experience. Um, I like to express my personal experience in a, in a way that I hope is relatable so that, you know, you can better understand your circumstances that you are personally going through. And it's more so to show that, like Michael Jackson said, you are not alone. I am there with you. We all go through things and when we can uh, associate ourselves better, we begin to understand. Because a lot of times we don't, it's hard for us to express our personal uh, experiences because, you know, uh, there's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And if you see the title of this talk this week, what the fuck is your problem? FUD. That's an acronym. F-U-D. Stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. These three play a huge role in um, our daily lives. The way that we see things, the way that we express, interpret, um, and receive, honestly. So, that's really what I'm just going to go into discussing today. Please excuse me. I didn't, uh, I had to take my daily vitamins. You know, you got to stay healthy. You got to, uh, keep your nutrition level above reproach. So I had to take some vitamins, but so to kick this off, cause I don't want to be too long. Um, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, how they, their roles in our daily lives and how they affect, how they affect us. Um, I've, I've come to this understanding personally of myself, how fear affects me personally um, and how that relates to uncertainty and doubt and vice versa, because I look at this as, um, uh, polarities right so if you understand polarities up and down are really one in the same like hot and cold left and right 
So if you can go forward, you can go backwards. If you can go backwards, you can go forward. Um, what am I saying? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. You don't, a lot of times people will just be like, one or the other, like you're very fearful. Um, are you uncertain? Are you being doubtful? And they just leave it at that. Like it is going to be one or the other. Uh, personally, I see them as they go together. Um, they're almost on the opposite ends of the spectrum. On one side, there's fear. On the other side, that's, there's doubt. And in the middle, there's uncertainty. Whichever side, wherever we, we're at, you express one of those more so than the other. And then I am just like, when I, when I am uh, mentoring and guiding, I use that as a barometer to see where you're at. Um, there's an acronym that I use called WAR, W-A-R, and then that backwards is RAW, R-A-W. And it's meant to, to gauge where you are personally. And uh, the, the acronym stands for WAR, W-A-R is willing, able, ready. Obviously, RAW is backwards. It's ready, able, and willing. And so that is where we start to see where you are personally. It's not to say if you are uh, more war ready that you're better or if you're raw that you're worse. It's, it's not that. It's just to see where you are. Some people are more ready. Some people are more willing. And then we just, I'll just guide you from that point. So looking at fear, uncertainty, and doubt, um, I kind of gauge off of that. Are you more fearful or are you more doubtful? Excuse me. And I see like, what's the difference, right? So for me personally, I look at fear as uh, the culmination of all of those really like fear is to me, that's the highest level because once you're fearful, if you've ever seen somebody who was fearful or something that was fearful, like a, a dog that is complete. Like you shut down. It's, it's hard to get out of that space when you are fearful. That means you are uncertain and doubtful. If you are doubtful, it doesn't necessarily mean you are, you know, in fear. You just might doubt the circumstances because of one or two different things. Like we can find that out. But somebody who is full of fear, you have everything activated. You doubt, you're uncertain, and now you're locked down. And you're not going to listen to anything pretty much. If you ever seen a person who is really uh, taken over by fear, it's, there, it's hard to, to get them to believe anything. If they swear that something is right there, then that's right there. And you have to understand that. And then you're basically talking them backwards, finding out where the, uncer where the uncertainty lies, then getting into that, that doubt. And you have to relieve those things. You can't just go to a person who's very fearful and be like, stop being afraid. You don't understand that. Like once they reach that point, body shuts down um and just in my personal experience uh being overseas at a time of war you would see um uh, 
when that fear was activated, there's like one or two things that can happen. You know, a lot of times they say uh, that fear is is a survival response, right? So it's fight or flight. So you can see somebody who's very fearful and they're ready to just fight it out because backs against the wall, it's 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 live or die. So they activate and they're just going all out. And then other times you can see that fear causes that flight response where you got to get the hell out. Uh, I don't even want to be there. I don't want to see it. I don't want to experience it. I have to go. I got to leave. The flight responses also, if you've ever seen somebody that's just like, uh, or in the movies when they're, you know, completely stricken by fear and they just can't move. They got the, they rubbing the hands, waving the hands in front of their face. And it's just like, he's frozen stiff. Fear that flight response can do just that too, because you're so fearful. Your body just, you just refuse to move. It's just, you're stone, you're stuck. Um, these are like, and a lot of times this is thought to be triggered when we're in danger. And that, that, that has truth to it. Yet something that, you know, a question that I've always had when it comes to that is if it is triggered when we're in danger, how come people, how can there's people that seek out fear then? You know, like people who love to ride roller coasters or watch horror movies, the thrill seekers. What does it mean when you seek out fear for thrill? And what is the difference between seeking that thrill and being afraid? Um, For me, it's, I see it as when you seek that fear, that's like empowerment. You're, you're on the hunt. You're searching for it. You're commanding something. Um, so those who seek thrill, they command fear and they wield it for their empowerment. Those who are not seekers, they receive fear as it finds them in the most pressing times. Uh, this is why I believe many are so surprised by fear because it's unexpected. You didn't, you didn't know it was, it was coming. It's like, you know, if your in-laws unknowingly come in town and your mind, you're thinking, if I had known you was coming, I wouldn't even answer the door. Uh, <laughs> like we knowing unknowingly let fear in because we don't prepare for it. We don't seek it. Instead, we hide from it. And just like in the scary movies, oh, it, it, it will find you. Whether you hide under the bed or in the closet, because when you hide, you have nowhere to go. So why then do we hide? Uh, the first thing that may come to mind is, is fear. You hide because you're afraid. Uh, that's an easy way to put it. Yet that doesn't allow us to gain clear understanding. And and for me, in my, in, in my, uh, in my business, when I'm dealing with people, the one thing that we're going to get is clear understanding. We're not going to muddle things if you don't understand. So we're going to clarify because that allows for planning, decision making. If there is not a clear understanding, you can't make a clear plan. You can't make clear decisions. Um, that's going to cause turmoil. So. We want to gain clear understanding. Uh, so 
I don't really like uh, want to just leave it at that. Like, yeah, you just hide because of fear. Um, it can cause like this uh, this playback loop where the same thing repeats itself. You're afraid because you fear. You fear because you're afraid. You're afraid because you fear. And this traps you. It traps you in without a way to escape. You're just doing the same thing. I fear because I'm afraid. I'm afraid because I fear. And you're just stuck. To get out of fear, we need to identify what it is that I fear and find out why. These are the things like that we, we avoid doing because personally, I, I can relate it to uh, finances. I remember, you know, this is just a few years ago before I got to the point where I'm at now. I never liked looking at my bank account. I never liked doing a finance report or, you know, uh, an expense report or any of that shit. I, I don't don't ask me to account for my spending because I had this fear that if I look at my account, all I'm going to see is how much money I don't have. And that's discouraging. I don't want to look at that. So I avoided it. And what that does is because you don't look at your fear, you avoid it, you actually cause more problems. So I wasn't looking at my account because I thought like, as long as I don't see it, it's not a bad thing. Um, and in fact, it made it worse because I didn't realize that I was overspending. And then you look at your, like you look at your account and then you, you start to understand, okay, having this information is actually empowering me. Not having this information is what keeps me uh, in this damn cycle to where I'm always constantly wondering how come I don't have enough. Well, you're not recognizing what you're doing to create that. Um, and honestly, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know you could spend more than you had. Like, if you only get $1,000 a month, I didn't know you could spend 2000 until I started looking at uh, my expenses. And I'm like, damn, how do you spend more than what you have? Hey, it's possible, uh, especially when you're not paying attention. So personally, it was like I didn't want to look at you know, my finances because I was afraid, you know, you're fearful. You don't want to see that. I don't have enough money to pay for these things. Like I know that, uh, actually what it showed me is that you have more than enough. It's the way that we are utilizing our, our resources, uh, the way that we're using information that actually, um, uh, keeps us in that vulnerable state. Um, so you have to identify what it is that you fear and why. And again, like that's the main thing that we avoid. We don't identify and ask why, because that's accountability. And it's, it's like, damn, I got to So now I got to be accountable and admit that I'm doing something wrong or maybe I wasn't understanding something. That's a you're, you're vulnerable when you're doing this. Uh, and it's hard for us to be vulnerable a lot of times. Uh, so that fear will cause us to hide. So now that we're hiding from fear, uh, if we don't identify why we don't ever come out hiding. And when we hide things, we do so because 
you know, again, we either want to surprise someone or we want to withhold something from someone. And a lot of times that someone is ourselves. Um, so it's either pleasant or unpleasant, positive or negative. For example, a birthday party is hidden to surprise. That's a pleasant surprise, right? And a positive moment. An affair, on the other hand, is hidden to withhold because that's an unpleasant surprise and a negative. So you don't want to necessarily tell somebody that or show them that because it's negative and we we're going to hide the things that we believe are negative, the things that we don't like. We're going to hide those um, for fear of the reaction. Uh, and this is where I believe the true reason is revealed why we hide from fear. And it all has to, to do with uh, understanding and preparation, understanding there is an intruder in your home and being prepared by having a weapon for self-defense would change the reason you're hiding from being fearful to be found to being an unpleasant surprise for that intruder. Uh, fear, as you say, it will initiate a response where the lack of understanding, there will be a lack of preparation. And anytime you're not prepared, that is gonna, uh, the only natural thing to do is hide. So I see where in a sense, like thrill seekers are therefore planners who understand the situation because they're going after that. Like, I know that this movie is scary. I know that this roller coaster ride is, is, you know, um, going to have my heart racing and I'm going after that so that they understand the situation. Um, they're choosing to do that. That is very much a powerful, uh, thing when you're able to choose what you're doing you have a command uh, the act of choice equates for me to preparation and preparation in my opinion is an expression of great control um, those who are fearful those who don't prepare um, a lot of times are just are, are fearful and, and I, I used to be in that camp because I used to say things like Oh, I just go with the flow. You know, I don't like the plan. I just go with the flow. And then I had to admit what I was really saying. Uh, it was, again, the preparation was like looking at my account to plan something out. And then the only thing in your mind is, or one of the main things in your mind is, well, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? you automatically think that my plan is not going to work. So I don't want to look at things that aren't going to work. So I'm not going to plan. I'm going to just go out and go with the flow and let basically life hit me. Um, it's like being in a in two fighters in a boxing ring and your whole tactic is I'm just going to allow him to hit me until he gets tired. And that could work, you know, but in the long run, you're going to take so much damage that it's better to have a plan of attack to go in and say, okay, um, I'm a hit first, or if I'm hit, I'm going to punch back. This is what we're saying when we're 
when we're planning, when we want to be prepared for things, we're, you're, you're saying that I understand certain things are going to happen. And this is me fighting back. I've got a plan for that. Not, you cannot plan for everything. You cannot be prepared for everything yet. Not planning and lacking preparation means that you'll never, you'll never be prepared. You'll always get hit. You'll always be on the receiving end. Um, and a lot of times you just constantly ask, why me? Why me? Why me? And the question is, you know, why am I not doing the things that I need to do? A lot of times we'll just be like, why me? Because we believe that the world is against us and it's just me. And it's like, no, well, it is just you. Um, it's just you refusing to do the things that you know you're supposed to do. And nobody can really tell you those things better than you can tell yourself. Uh, a lot of times you already know what it is you're supposed to do. You're going to ask for second, third, fourth opinions because you're uncertain and you're doubtful. Uh, when you start to get past those things, you'll begin to utilize them to assist you. You'll notice when you're uncertain, then you'll start looking around. What has got me feeling this way? What has got me acting this way? And then you'll begin to implement the necessary changes, especially when you have a plan for that. And that's the plan to notice more um, within yourself, to notice when you're uncomfortable, to notice when you know, you're anxious um, to notice when you might be feeling down or depressed and understand that those are signals. There are alarms that go off and it doesn't mean like when you're angry, it doesn't mean to go um, get into a fight or to express that anger. It's an alarm. It's saying something is triggering this. Now, if you have an understanding of that, there is a plan that you enact. Um, we take them, our emotions a lot of times as at face value to say, okay, I'm angry. So I need to let somebody know I'm angry or I need to express this anger instead of being like, okay, I'm angry. My angry, my anger bells are going off. What the hell is around here that has triggered me? It's got me feeling this way. And then I need to get out of that. Um, we don't hear fire alarms and then prepare for do a tornado drill. That would be a grave mistake. Like that's gross. If you hear a fire alarm, you immediately go into uh, the drill that you're supposed to do. Now, if you don't ever practice that though, you hear a fire alarm, you sit around, you're looking around, you don't know what to do. So imagine if you never understood what a fire alarm was and you never prepare for that. When it went off, you'd almost guarantee you'd be a victim of the fire. So this is why you, you create these plans, these procedures, you have these drills. So you know that if this happens, you automatically start going into what you need to do. You don't want to think about it all the time. Like, what do I do now? What do I do next? Um, you have those things in place. 
So understanding that these things are alarms, you can prepare for them when you're feeling depressed, um, sad, anxious, um, even happy, because happiness is the same thing. Just because you're happy, it doesn't mean you like need to express that all the time, because that can get us into uh, that can make us experience certain things, and it's not always good. So understanding, like you're sitting around and all of a sudden you feel happy. You're like, hey, what? Why? Why do I feel happy all of a sudden? Like, and then you notice, like, oh, I just had this thought about, you know, a food that I really like, or a song, or maybe I heard a song and it made me happy. Once you're able to identify these things, you can build them up. You can have more positive experiences, more happy experiences. You can remove yourself from anger. Um, you can pull yourself out of depression. You can maneuver a lot better when you understand. So those who prepare, are they not in control? Those who are in control, do they not prepare? That's a question. And it's something that I've asked myself. And this is how I end up preparing more so. Now, I don't try to uh, look to prepare every single thing, but there are certain things that I do plan for and prepare so that, you know, my foundation is there. Uh, the structure of my day is there. So I, if anything comes in, now those alarms are going to go off and I know exactly what's going on because I'm prepared for this. And so if I'm feeling this way, Something must have interfered with that. So I ask myself, those who prepare, are they not in control? Hmm. And those who are in control, do they not prepare? And the resounding answer that I have seen is yes. And so to seek then is to prepare for control, to hide is to acknowledge lack of control and preparation. Yes, it is true again, like I said, that we cannot control everything and there are things you cannot plan for. However, that doesn't mean we should ignore planning and live without control, saying to ourselves, there's nothing I can do, so it's best to do nothing. You just gave up. You just threw your hands up and said, oh well, I'm just lay here. That's, that's a defeatist mindset. And again, I said that I'm the founder of Losers Inspire. I never said anything about quitting or being defeated. And that's where a lot of people get misunderstandings. They're so afraid to be associated with losing that they would rather quit. They would rather be defeated. Uh, and that once you quit, once you're defeated, there is no room to inspire. There's no uh, understanding that's gained. It's over. You're done. It's a wrap. That's not a place you want to be. So to embrace or understand loss and to be inspired by that is saying that there's always opportunity. There's always opportunity. If I, if I lost, there's opportunity to understand. Once I understand, I can command, put a proper plan in place. And the next time, guarantee you, I'll have better results. And you just keep doing this, iterating over and over and over. And then you become successful.
to lose and then allow that to uh, control you to the point where you're just like, you know what, screw this shit, I'm done, I quit. There's no opportunity for a quitter. You just, you basically, you have literally given that opportunity to somebody else. And I'll use the, the slot machine metaphor. If you're sitting at that slot machine and you're playing, 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 and then you're like, you know what? I'm done. I quit. Whatever. I've been one. And you get up and leave that machine. The next person sits down and goes, Cream, and they hit a jackpot. And you're like, what? I was just on that machine. That's mine. That no, it's not. No, it's not. You quit. So the next person that was there, they got rewarded. That's real life. Because I know that in our personal experiences, this has happened to us because we've all quit at some point in time. There's not a person alive that has never quit. Just like there's not a person alive that has never lost. And at some point in time, you quit. And then you saw somebody else reap the rewards. And it made you feel a certain type of way. That quitting does not empower you. Now, loss, that's demoralizing at a certain time. Yet, when have you ever seen a winner that wasn't inspired by loss? Don't happen. It's because of that loss that you're like, you know what? I'm going to be better next time. I'm going to strive harder. I'm going to practice more. I'm going to be prepared for the next time around because that taste of loss is is the motive, especially when you understand it. You begin to seek out those moments for loss to say, you know what? Um, I'm going to go back and look over my life and reanalyze all the moments to where I felt like I lost and see if I can't pull something out of that. That's where the greatest amount of value comes from. Without those losses, imagine if you were just winning all the time. You get to the point where you're so arrogant, so cocky, you start to to lack control. You start to lack, uh, you, you prepare less because in your mind, you're like, I got this. I don't got to do nothing. I'm the shit. I'm the greatest. And it's like, yeah, the, the greatest are that because they prepare, they plan, they understand um, loss and they overcome that. They're not the greatest just because they won. That's not, that's not how it goes. Uh, in fact, if you look at some of the, you know, to just compare sports, when you look at some of the greatest sports franchises or teams or players, if they won too much, we start rooting for them to lose. Well, I can't wait till they lose. Uh, I remember, uh, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but this is one of the reasons why I like the Yankees. The Yankees are always winning. They get cocky. Then you beat New Yorkers, and it's like, damn, y'all the cockiest people in the world. Like, I don't like that. Um, it's just something about winning too much that it's like, you know what? Humble them. Let them lose. I, I can't wait till they lose. And you celebrate that. Think about that. Like, we'll celebrate someone else's demise because they've won so much yet. You don't necessarily celebrate people who continue 
to lose, especially when they're persistent. If they keep trying and trying to try, well, I don't like that word try. And they keep um, making attempt after attempt after attempt, you start to root for those people. You clap for them. You cheer them on. If it's a marathon and it's like one of the last people, you're cheering them on so they finish. Nobody is saying, ah, quit. You're last. Ah, you suck. Stop. Those people who are doing that, they're not real people at all. And nobody even likes those people because it's like, how, how are you going to do that? Like you see this person, they're still going. The little engine they could, right? They're still going. And you're over here encouraging them to quit. Nah, we're not about that. You clap for that person. You want them to finish. Those are the underdog stories that everybody loves because it's the story of loss. It's the story of inspiring from loss. We will always love an inspiring story. Nobody likes the, the person who gets everything. Like, oh my goodness. that's It's unrelatable. Like, who really just wins all the time? Nobody. So it's unrelatable. It makes you uncomfortable. Um, so to say that there's nothing I can do, it's best to do nothing. Uh, that's not where you want to be. That assuredly guarantees you're going to be found hiding under that bed. A pleasant surprise for the intruder. Um, instead of seeking the fear and being an unpleasant surprise for fear. You're swapping positions. Um, you did it to bring in that in, in, intruder uh, analogy. You didn't plan for this intruder to come into your home, but you surely were prepared for this because you had some protection. And now the tables are turned and you become an unpleasant surprise for fear. For there, if there's nothing to fear but fear itself, then what are we afraid of if not ourselves? If there's nothing to fear but fear itself, then what are we afraid of if not ourselves? So what... The problem that I have is FUD. It's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's us not being aware of this, not commanding it. I want to develop more thrill seekers, more people who are courageously going out there seeking the things that they fear to overcome them versus hiding from those fears and succumbing to that. We don't want to be victims. We don't need to be victims. Yet how can you be the hero? You have to go forth. You have to seek out these things. You have to ask yourself why. You cannot be afraid to go deeper and find out um, the reasons behind why you do what you do. Most importantly, you have to be willing to be accountable. You got to take accountability. Because that alone, as, as, as uh, difficult as it may seem, when you do that, it's like a level up. It's a power up. It's like compounding everything. 
automatically just like are lifted to the top because you took that accountability and now you can see everything. You understand exactly what you need to do, exactly what happened to you, exactly how you got into this position because you took accountability. If you don't take that accountability, you blame others. Um, so what's my fault is somebody else. I'm in this position because somebody else. You guarantee that you don't get out of that position because you're hoping that the person who you're blaming is going to come undo it somehow as if they could. There's not an, there's not an apology they could give you. It's going to take back whatever it is you felt like they did to you or took from you. That's because it's on you, not on them. We got to understand that. Uh, if you lock your doors, right, they have to physically break in. And at that point, you're not accountable for that. You physically broke into my house. My doors were locked. You know, I, I did the proper things that I'm supposed to do. That's on them. But a lot of times we're not doing that. We're leaving our doors wide open. Not just unlocked. We leave the doors open, windows open. And then we're shocked when people come in. We're allowing people into our space because we don't want to um, take accountability and then put up those the, the necessary uh, barriers to build that foundation to say, you know what, uh, this is me. This is what I tolerate. This is what I don't tolerate. These are my expectations. And whether or not you can meet that, um, that's up to you. But I need you to understand that this is what I tolerate. We don't like to do that because uh, in our minds, we'll say, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And well, I, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to be mean. And I, I get it. Nobody wants to be that way. Yet, if you think that by setting boundaries for yourself, by having expectations that you're being rude or mean, or unfair to somebody else, you are denying the most important person, yourself. You are allowing anybody to do whatever to you, to treat you any type of way, to come in and out your house, to take what they want, because you don't want to be looked at as mean or rude or inconsiderate. And in fact, you're not. You're not that. Because once you start to take accountability, once you start to command your life, your space, you notice that the only people that have a problem with that are people that want to take advantage of you anyway. So in doing so, you begin to create the type of environment that you can sustain in. Right now, we're living in an environment that is unsustainable for us but we're doing it because we're like okay this is what you're supposed to do right we're all supposed to um uh do as we see i guess you can say uh when in fact you're supposed to uh, how do i want to say this i don't want to i'm gonna just say it like this you're supposed to make other people uncomfortable if it makes you comfortable. So doing what you love to do, 
doing what you want to do. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's going to make other people uncomfortable. So don't worry about that. We worry too much about others and not about enough about ourselves. So we will compromise. We will comply. We will give up so much just to receive so little back in return because of the fears that we have. We're fearful that we will be accepted. We're uncertain that people will tolerate or like us. And we're doubtful that it will even work anyway, or it even matters. And that's a lot of where this starts. It's like, you doubt that you are important, that you matter, that it's going to work. So then your doubt leads to uncertainty about the the results from that. I'm uncertain if anything's going to come from it. So why even try? And then that leads into the fear. And now you're just completely locked down and you're not going to do it anyway. Nope, not even going to go over there. I'm going to sit and think about all of it. I'll project. I'll visually see myself as possibly doing something. But because I'm doubtful and uncertain, I won't take I won't take that opportunity. And that's what fear is to me. Fear is the inability to, to move, to plan, to prepare, to make a decision. That's what fear does. Uh-uh, I'm good. Imagine if, if uh, I don't know, whatever. A lot of people scare spiders, right? And if you look at your hand, imagine you saw a spider the size of your hand. Like, and it was, it went, uh, you're in, you're in the living room and you saw it walk in your bedroom. It don't matter how tired you was, <laughs> your fear of that spider is going to ensure you ain't going in that room. Mm-mm. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if they tell you the spider doesn't bite. It's not poisonous. I wouldn't care if it was a smiling spider. And it talked and said, I'm not going to hurt you. No, you ain't doing it. Uh-uh. Because that fear is going to lock you down. It's not going to allow you to make a decision. You're done. Well, actually, it did make a decision. You ain't going in there. But you're not moving forward. You're stuck. And then it's it's, it's just the, the, the role that it plays from there. Um It's pretty much you just gave up. So we have to identify those other moments when we're doubtful and how that doubt leads to us being uncertain. And then that uncertainty is going to lead us to be fearful. So you identify it before it gets to that point, because you know that once it gets once it gets to fear, we're going to have the hardest time. And I equate it to uh, surgery. Once you get to fear, you have to be a brain surgeon to get that person out of that. And what I mean is, if you understand brain surgery is very, uh, you got to be skilled, right? You know that uh, if you do anything wrong, it it can cause severe damage. So you have to be very skilled. You have to be um, meticulous, patient. There's words that just jumped out of my head, but 
you you want that person to be uh, well trained. So to be a brain surgeon, you have to be at the highest level, pretty much, of your craft. So that's what fear is. To get out of fear, we got to do brain surgery. Uncertainty is more like uh, routine surgery. Not not routine surgery, but uh, let's just say you're going in for, you know, new kidney uh, transplant, uh, even maybe you got a broken leg, they're going to do surgery on that. When you get to uncertainty, it's more like you, you need to be in surgery. Now, you, you're not as needing to be as skilled and thorough as a brain surgeon. There's a little bit more room for error, but you know that it's still like, hey, you have to get this right. If you don't, it's going to complicate matters. You nick the wrong artery. Oh, my God. Now we do need that um, advanced surgeon. and We got to we got to go in quick now. So I look at fear as, again, you have to have the highest. It's going to take the most um, to get that person out of fear. Uncertainty, it's still, uh, you know, going to take some some effort, uh, but just not as much as fear. When you get to doubt, I look at doubt, and I don't want to say it's the easiest, but I look at it as a lower level. And so it's more like when you're going to the doctor, just you're sick. Um, for doubt, you can you can prescribe something like an aspirin, you know, um, some medication. It doesn't require surgery is what I'm saying. It doesn't require a deep, deep level of understanding or introspection or you don't have to do that much. Doubt is very surface level. It's like, what's the problem? I don't know if I'm, uh, if I can do this. Oh, what? Oh, you doubtful? You can see doubt. And then you're like, all right, that will lead to uncertainty. So why are you doubtful? Because the last time, you know, I, I wasn't successful. And it's like, okay. So now you're saying, do you fear that if you made an attempt this time that it, you wouldn't you wouldn't be successful and they say yes so their doubt is rooted in uncertainty and it can lead to that fear if it's not addressed and once they get to that fear you guarantee you ain't doing nothing as long as you're doubtful there's still uh, the ability to uh, alleviate that doubt. And now you're, this is where motivation comes in. You can motivate a doubtful person. You can even take that motivation to an uncertain person and show them like, hey, you're uncertain. Let me show you this. And then they express their doubt. And now they're empowered to do that to a fearful person. You have to do all of that. You have to first identify where their doubt is, what they're uncertain, and how it has them fearful. And for a lot of us, that's the hardest to deal with. And for a lot of us, we're, we walk around in that state of fear. A lot of times, I mean, just look at the TV, just look at the news. It keeps us there. You're always fearing something. 
You're always fearing something. And when you fear, uh, a lot of people swear that they know. Like, you can hear people express their fears. They'll be like, uh, if you go over there, this is going to happen to you. And this is something I've experienced uh, multiple times, all the time. Um, being uh, born and raised somewhat in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and then moving, you know, and being able to tour around this country, then going overseas and uh, being in Afghanistan, I could tell you that, you know, the fear that I had before I went over there was due to a lot of what I heard and none of what I experienced. It was the news articles and people saying that if you go over there, you're going to die and all this stuff. And like, yeah, that happened. But my experience was different. Just like my experience growing up in that neighborhood was different for people outside of Chicago. They believe that, oh, my God, you grew up in Chicago? Like, dang, it was just shooting all the time, people dying all the time. It's like, no, actually, it wasn't. Um, and this is a, an experience that a lot of people living in, you know, the these underserved neighborhoods or what they would call third world countries experience. Like, on the outside, y'all look at it as it's so horrible. But when we're there... We don't see that. I mean, you might, you experience the death and stuff, but for the most part, there's, there's, you wonder why there's a lot of positive sentiment. Like you express having fun as a child doing this and doing that. And people are like, how did you have fun? Like, don't people, weren't y'all just killing each other? It's like, no, this is what's reported. And when it's reported, it gets you into doubting about whether or not you want to go there, uncertain as to what will happen if you go there and fearful of, I'm not even going to go there. I've heard so many people that have said, I'll never go there. And, you know, that that's your, that's your prerogative if you want to do that. Yet that's so unfortunate because you never get, you're never going to experience what you need to experience so that you can see that It's not always what it's cracked up to be. If you don't experience it, it's not even worth listening to some, a lot of times. Because unless you're going to experience it for yourself, all that hearing other people's opinions and what they think, that's just going to lock you out of something. Because their fear will become, or their uncertainty and doubt can become your fear. So once you experience things, you alleviate that fear. Now you still may be uncertain about other things and doubtful, but the fear is gone. And if you eliminate the fear, you can deal with uncertainty and doubt. But if you don't eliminate the fear, then you're never going to get over uncertainty and doubt. And so experience is key. Experience will create understanding. And understanding creates clarity. It allows you to act. It allows you to plan and prepare.
So the one thing, the biggest takeaway, if you listen to this, this talk tonight, or if you're even listening to the replay, the biggest takeaway that I would like you to have is that fear, uncertainty, and doubt play a huge role in your life day to day. And yet your emotions, those are still emotions. Your emotions are an alarm system. It's an alert system. It's not meant for you to always express them, but it's meant for you to understand them. So understanding your emotions will allow you to command and control more of your reactions, your daily life. And in what I do, I want to empower, to inspire, to uplift so that you command and control your life. Because what I see is that we are not in command and control of our lives. Other things outside of us command and control our lives. And it's time that we take control, that we begin to express, that we begin to experience, that we begin to understand. Because the opposite of that is where we're at now. A lot of misunderstanding, a lot of confusion, a lot of refusal to see the other side, a few refusal to accept, to be accountable. And when you have all of those, the alarm comes on and it's chaos. And instead of us understanding that and, you know, saying, hey, oh, whoa, 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 we are in chaos right now. So we need to remove these things so we can get out of this. We're actually feeding into it more creating more chaos where there's a hole in the ship and instead of getting buckets and tossing the water out, we're putting water in the boat. Like what are y'all doing? Why are we helping ourselves to sink instead of pushing the water out of the boat? Um, and a lot of times it's not, I'm not even going to say that like you're purposely doing it, but, if you are in chaos, that is confusion. You don't know what the hell you're doing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, and I'm not going to be too much longer after this example, but if you ever seen somebody that was like so confused that they were doing something ridiculous, like, what, what, what are you doing? They're hysterical. I've seen to where uh, grease fire. Um, when I was younger, grandmother was cooking in the kitchen and, um, like I forgot like exactly what, what caused her to leave the kitchen. She was doing, uh, two things at one time. I think she was cooking in the kitchen and then the phone must've rang or something. And, uh, she went to answer the phone and got caught up in conversation and, you know, the skillet got too hot, had grease in it it caught on fire. And so now she's smelling smoke. She runs in the kitchen and now it's like, Oh my God, there's a fire. And she goes to damn near grab water, and throw it on the fire. Um, luckily, you know, we were there 
to no nope, uh, don't do that and so you know we then had to smother the fire because it was in the pan you throw water on that that fire's going to jump out of that pan and the whole house could have caught a blaze but because of the hysteria she didn't know what to do another incident that actually just came to mind is personal for me and I, I used to not be able to talk about this i used to be so fearful uncertain and doubtful that i never wanted to express this uh, when i was a child uh, around five years old my mother passed away like in front of me she had a brain aneurysm um, and i remember clear as day this is my grandmother's daughter uh, she literally said what is the number to 911 and that stuck with me because you can be in uh, such a panic that you forget and then we're not even recognizing it's like what is the number to 911 that is the number but that fear has got such a hold on you that you can't even see clearly. You can't think clearly. So everything escapes you. It's gone. And as I'm even thinking about that moment, that's really what inspires me to want to empower not only myself, but others so that, you know, in these situations, you actually come alive and you begin to know what to do. And we stop wanting to give up on ourselves and our surroundings and just, you know, lay down and say, woe is me. Um, looks like there's a guest waiting. Let me click this and see. First time for everything. I got a few more minutes. Hey, man, Hello. how's it going? How it's are going you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm Tim. Thanks for letting me on your, your talk here. I th I've been listening and you're saying a lot of compelling things. And I thought maybe I could just add one thing to the conversation, not to, um, you know, if, if that's okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We definitely add. Sure. Um, I think a lot of times people's fears um, are rooted in, for lack of a better term, what they're aligned to. And what I mean by that is there are certain things that people uh, like yourself, you, you had a terrible experience that no child should ever have to, no child should ever have to experience their mother passing away in front of them. Uh, as terrible as that is, there's an alignment to that, that sometimes can create connections of fear to certain things that might happen or, or the, and so those are very real. And of course, you know, that's where mental health and counseling and, and uh, family members and, uh, you know, support groups or whatever you're, you're doing can help. Um, mm -hmm. But, but in other ways, people have alignments to things based on what people have told them in the past, or maybe they've, they've been, uh, they've, they've just believed certain things based on certain things that they've been taught or whatever. And mm -hmm. those alignments, a lot of times what happens is those alignments create fear because what would it, what would my life be like if I didn't, if I didn't have that, what would, what wow. would it be like, you know? And so I don't know how to, and so to your point, what we're seeing happen right now is that you have 
people in the world, for instance, that have opinions that these opinions are are very strong within them. They have beliefs that are very strong uh, within mm-hmm. them. And then when when somebody comes and challenges those beliefs, they there's a fear there that well, what happens if 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 you know I don't believe this anymore? What what's going to happen to you know everything else that's within my my structure of beliefs and won't the whole thing fall apart? And there's a lot of fear that goes along with that. But the truth is, if we, the, the, the truth really comes in two parts. Number one, if we really believe something that's actually true, then it's going to withstand us questioning whether it's true or not. I mean, if it's really true, it's going to be true. So if we question whether it's true or not, it should be able to withstand that questioning and we should be able to figure out if it's really something worth holding on to or not. And if it's not true, then we could find a fair amount of freedom, a fair, a great amount of freedom by letting some of these things go and becoming unaligned to these things that we've always been aligned to that we don't need to be anymore. And the, and what, what my point in saying that is, I think a lot of people, what, what happens is they could become free by just asking a very simple question. And that is, why is it that I believe what I believe about, and then just fill in the blank. So when somebody comes to me and says, gives me some sort of information, like for instance, if somebody says, well, you know, I believe, you know, you have, uh, I don't know, you, 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 you believe, you know, you, you uh, society ought to be a certain way. And, and so then I think, I don't, I really don't, I really don't agree with that. I really think society should be this way. Why do I believe that? Why do I believe that? Do I believe it because I know something or do I believe something? Do I believe it because I've experienced something or do I believe it because somebody told me that's what I was supposed to believe or did I? And, and if we start down the road of actually becoming authentically intentional about questioning some of these things, I think what it's going, I think what is certainly what I've seen it do for people that I've helped that I've, I've talked to in the past is it helps us come to the middle it helps us to get out of our silos and to come to the middle and to start to say, wait a minute, maybe, maybe there's a way that I can think about this differently. And maybe there's a way that maybe not everything that I, that I, uh, I that I've always thought about this was right. I, I tell people all the time that if you really want to find the truth about something, number one, you have to believe that the truth exists. And then you have to believe that you can find it. Once you get past those things, then the third thing, which is actually the most important of the three is you have to you have to be okay with the fact that you might be wrong. And if you and and if you're if you're okay with that, then you can say you can embrace that and say, you know what, I have believed something my whole life that actually turns out I, I wasn't right. And now I can find freedom because if I can become unaligned to that, I might be actually be able to not be as afraid of something. And I might be able to actually love people and understand myself better. And I might be able to become the actually more authentic person I was I was designed to be. So those are just some thoughts I had. I, I, you know, I'm, I certainly no way want to hijack your, your ideas. I, I, they just reminded me as you were talking, I, I was reminded of how these connections, these alignments can really, really keep people from discovering um, the truth about who they really are and how they can really begin to impact people around them. Uh, because just by simply asking the question, I wonder why, you know, why have I always, why do I think that? And is it, is it really the truth or is it something that maybe I could begin to unalign with? And I think there's freedom in that. I agree. I agree. And I, first off, I want to just uh, thank you for 
you know, even being courageous enough to jump on stage with me because it's, it's, that is something that's empowering and to share your thoughts, uh, that added to mine, because that's how we, again, gain more understanding because mm-hmm. there's somebody that, you know, that just helped. I mean, it helped me because you're showing how, um, like you said, one of the things that, you know, we fear most is just challenging our own self. Like, why do I believe the things that I believe? Um, a lot of that comes from, like you said, what we're being told. And if we recognize that, then you actually take that, that taking that accountability alleviates you of that because now you're recognizing, well, that wasn't me anyway. I was accepting something that wasn't really me to begin with. So I wasn't even authentic. This is actually how we begin to find ourselves. So that's right. That's right. For me, it's like, we're afraid to find out who we are. Well, and think about it this way, you know, as, as we can speak just as, as, as two guys, but, and I don't want to be generalistic about anything, but we have to always be careful that we, we aren't, that we're not, that we're not the spitting image of our father or that we're not the spitting image of our grandfather, or that we're not the spitting image of our favorite professor, or that we're not the spitting image of our mentors. It, that was never the intention. We, the intention is there are people that are going to teach us things and that we're going to learn things. But we have to always remember that every person that's in our life is going to teach us something that's going to be right. But they're also going to teach us things that aren't necessarily going to be right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're going to be right at the moment. I, I always think of this, the story that uh, a, a dumb sermon illustration I heard one time, but it's a great story about a couple who one was cooking for the other and they were cooking a roast and they cut off the ends of the roast and the roast and the other person said, why did you do that? And basically it's, I don't know, that's the way mom did it. And so at Thanksgiving, they asked mom why they cut off the ends of the roast and they said, and mom said, well, because that's the way grandma always did it. I don't know. It's just the way grandma always did it. And so grandma, when grandma was around at Christmas, they asked grandma, why did she cut off the ends of the roast? And she said, because I had a short pan and a small oven. And so it wasn't that, it wasn't that, it wasn't that grandma did the wrong thing. So this, this is where I think words are important, right? It wasn't that grandma did the wrong thing. Grandma did what was necessary, but we don't need to do what's necessary anymore. Because now we got bigger oven and a bigger pan. Now we can leave the ends on the roast. Mm. So my point, my point, my point is, it's not always because right now there's a binary feeling that, well, what what this generation did was wrong, or what these people say is wrong. And now, and then the other somebody might say, well, what this younger generation is thinking is wrong. It, it's not that binary. It's it's look, there's a survival technique that is we do what's necessary to survive. That, that's been the way it's been since man was put on earth, or you know, or however you believe man got here, that that man has been surviving. It, it, there's a survival instinct that we have. And so there's going to be things that are necessary. And so grandma found it necessary to cut the ends off the roast in order to, for the family to have roast. But because there was no room in the, in the oven, there was no room on the pan. But that doesn't mean that two generations later, that's still necessary. And so it's not, no one is saying it was wrong. It's just that it may not be no longer necessary. And so I think that's what's important is sometimes we can look at these things and we can say, this isn't that my dad, I'll use my dad as an example, not that my dad has any super weight on it. I'm just saying something, maybe something my dad taught me or maybe something my uncle taught me or maybe something a professor taught me was, was 
wise in light of what was necessary at the time that they were that they were they were socialized to believe that and and, and, and there may not be anything wrong with that but it may be time for us now to say but it's time oh I, that's one part that i don't like i don't know if you guys can see your time when you talk but i do appreciate that because um what he was alluding to is like in my mind it was showing how we begin to adopt these traditions without ever knowing where they started. So we are just regurgitating something from the past without ever understanding its importance. And if you don't understand the importance of something, what are we really doing anyway? We could be causing um, just as much harm as our intention is for good. Um, that is true. The things that they did 10, 20, 30 years ago, you don't necessarily need to do them now, but understanding why you can begin to see how you can possibly operate or the things that you could possibly do um, going towards the future. Hey, we buzzing tonight. So I'm going to bring uh, Dr. Tim back up real quick. And then there's two more people. If y'all would stay on, I'll bring y'all up as well. that I didn't know that there was a time. So I'll just make this real quick. So yeah, I, and I just want to make sure that you, that, that your listeners hear what I'm saying. Cause I want to make sure that I don't, I don't, I'm very careful about the message I'm sending here. It, I, I want to, I want people to stop thinking that, that things that something that may have been necessary in the past, especially when it comes to beliefs, you know, it may have been something that we needed to believe in the past that that belief can evolve now and it's okay. It's okay that it changes because it may be a new sense of what we need now, what's necessary now, but there may be some things that can never change and that's okay. That that's okay too. But my point is it's, it's not whether or not things can or cannot change. We have to determine that, and I think we have to be honest about it, and we have to be open and be at the table together, speaking to each other to do that. But what makes it important is that we're asking the question, is this still necessary? And is it actually something, so in the case of grandma, do we still need to cut the ends off the roast? No. And so it's okay, we can move on. If, if, if it really is the truth, it's gonna withstand the shift of culture, the shifts of of um, of people, the shifts of, of time. If it's not, if it's not, if if it was either no longer true, it was never true, or it is no longer relevant. Well, then it, it can shift. But my point is, it's not so much should we just declare it no longer true. No, we need to have a conversation, ongoing conversation about why why it existed, where it came from and how it evolved to that point, and is it continuing to evolve? I, I think what you just said is so important because in order for grandma to have done that, we had to evolve a stove. We had mm. to evolve a roast. I mean, there's so much comp there's so much complexity to that, that story, and yet it really just comes down to understanding where and why we believe what we believe. Anyway, I, I'll let you go. God bless. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thank you. I appreciate you so much.
Hello. Good evening. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm just here to, um, you know, touch on your subject. Just asking you how are you doing. You know, would you would you mind talking about what's bothering you? What's bothering me? Yes. Uh, that's the show title. This is what's bothering me. If I can say what's bothering It's like nothing's really bothering me. I just, I'm using it to express an idea to assist other people in uh, understanding. Um, I'm, it's That's really the point right now. Okay, well, I agree with everything Tim says. You know, sometimes um, some of your beliefs, you know, can get in your get in the way. However, um, we must continue to spread the positive vibes. And uh, I just want to check on you and make sure you're okay. And um, you know, you can always contact me if you need any help. And uh, I want to say God bless you and many more. And continue doing what you're doing. I'm new to your podcast, and I think you're doing so great. I was listening. I joined the show um, after you. Then I came back to listen. And I think you're doing amazing jobs on Sands. And uh, you keep doing what you're doing, okay? Thank you. I I do appreciate that. I really do. You're welcome. I want to give you your flowers while you're here. I want to give you your props. Because not a lot of people do that. They They wait till the last minute. And I'm not that kind of person who's going to wait till the last minute. I'm telling you now, you're doing a good job. Look, we need, um, I'm not even going to say we need more of you because there's a lot of um, of us out there. We just need more people like you to express that, like you just said, because there's no need for us to wait to the last minute because waiting to the last minute means there is no minute. Um, so mm-hmm. express that now. and so. I take that gratitude and, you know, I, I send it back and I hope that, you know, you're doing okay, that you're inspired, that, you know, you are continuously um, looking to yourself as somebody who is, in, who is improving and not somebody who is, you know, stuck because we're not, doesn't matter what experiences we've had. The fact that we are still here right now, even having this conversation shows how, persistent we are and how we can persevere through any and everything we just have to find out like he said why did we cut the ends off the roast and now you can move to that next point so i do appreciate you for stopping by and sharing that with me you're welcome i'm gonna get going because um i want to um do my podcast but um you have a great day i don't want to stop you from doing your show i'm sorry No, you're fine. You're fine. Thank you again for stopping by. You're welcome. God bless. God bless you as well. Got one more. Hey, Sands. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, the honestly, man, I I just caught the tail end of uh. The beginning of the, the beginning of doctors, the doctor's uh, assertion that what well, when he began his spiel, 
he said you were sharing a compelling idea. W- what is or was the idea in a nutshell? Um, where, well, it's really the, the, I was just going in on the topic. Um, and I do these, uh, wisdom Wednesdays and it's, it's, you know, what the fuck is my problem? Excuse me if anybody was offended by that, but, uh, and then I go off of something that either, um, I've felt or that I've just experienced or witnessed. And, um, today what was coming to me was, um, FUD and because, uh, I work a lot in, uh, guiding and mentoring teens, young adults, and veterans, but also on the opposite end of that, I am, uh, uh, a blockchain educator. And one of the terms that the acronyms in blockchain is, is called FUD and it stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. But we use that in blockchain to, to express how, excuse me, um, fearful, uncertain, and how doubtful you can be as uh, either an investor or somebody who wants to understand more. It doesn't, it negates you. So your fear, your uncertainty, and your doubt hinders you from wanting to experience anything. So uh, for instance, like if anybody is uh, familiar with Bitcoin, the FUD that surrounded Bitcoin blocked a lot of people from getting in. And so I just saw this as something that it wasn't uh, so much just relegated only to blockchain or investing, but how FUD impacts us all each and every day. So I was simply talking about how fear um, impacts us, uncertainty impacts us, doubt impacts us, and just a little bit of maybe what we can do just in my experience and in my opinion to kind of either eliminate those or overcome those those areas. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you know, it was, uh, I, I was talking to a guy uh, on this platform. He said that the next, well, not the next, but he said my idea, okay, like I came up with an idea for a next generation wind chime. Mm-hmm. Only it's a half baked idea because I don't like I didn't work in a wind chime factory growing up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is it's a next generation wind chime that responds to not just wind, but more meteorology than just the wind. And it kind of okay. uh, songifies it, say, you know, but not in an annoying way, but like, you know, like. Okay, so that's the idea. It's a half-baked idea. Well, what if there were a website that people with half-baked ideas that aren't, like the nutshell isn't half-baked, but they like the know-how to execute, they could drop it off in a Dropbox like WikiLeaks, you know, like that, and get a penny for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he said that was a blockchain idea, and I don't even know what a blockchain is. Not real. I mean, okay. I, as I understand, it's a PowerPoint presentation with a spreadsheet, and if the spreadsheet matches the metadata on, it's a field that recurs in other intersections on other spreadsheets. But th- uh, that doesn't really matter to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily. Um, not at all, really. So, li- literally, a blockchain is a digital distributed ledger that's what a blockchain is 
Um, it's a digital ledger. It records data, yeah. uh, whatever data you're putting on it. So as you were just saying, uh, if there was a space that you can drop that in, that's very interesting because that is literally what I am creating. Um, I deal with uh, certain individuals who have half-baked ideas, as you say, or ideas sure. that they believe in, but they just don't know how or if it's possible. And I'm able to take their idea, um, we put a plan together for it, and then you can go, um, there's certain spaces that you can go in and actually get your idea built out. Because one thing that I've, I've seen is um, it may be uh, half-baked to you, but then there's somebody with the other half. And you just have to match, right. find out somebody who's just as impassioned about something that you are. These two match come together. This is how uh, building happens. Like this is how we got this far because somebody had an idea. Somebody else had a passion. You two meet and then boom, it's, it sprouts this creation. So blockchain yeah. is just one of the, the uh, areas in technology that's very new um, and it's very innovative to where all your ideas are pretty much coming to life. So there is a space for that. And if you um, stay in touch with me, even outside of here, I believe I have my Instagram attached. Um, yeah. We could talk outside of here about how to build your idea out if you're interested, but definitely um, there is a space for you. Well, to build well, I got, I mean, this isn't like, this would take some, probably some uh, cajoling uh, to say the least, but uh, a, a more important road in jail um yeah let's see it was uh yeah it, it was this okay does america need a national ministry of liberation title the daily newsletter liberty school and get the paper at your door every issue should contain one and only one portrait every issue that is a different portrait each and every day with a biographical sketch of a person whose life and work had any effect on the liberty of others and not necessarily American. Discuss the liberties and then couple the biography there logic puzzle most pertinent to it. Include only one news story per day and title it work and divide it and title it subsections who, what, when, where, why, and how. This is the superstructure of the newsletter Liberty School, courtesy of a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Guy, keep America. So it's like basically a penny dime digest that's delivered. Like it's delivered to anybody institutionalized in any kind of institution with a room. You get a penny dime digest with a biography of somebody who had an effect on the liberty of others, some arguable effect. And then there's a, there's a puzzle with it, and uh, and then something because here's what I'm saying: like these days we're redefining we're redefining liberty and we're redefining work. Like if it's not, for example, in America, if it's not industrialized, if it's not on an industrialized level, it's not work. I mean, well, that's not true. You know, like I like I like things that are enjoyably laborious, meticulous, and monotonous. Now, maybe not everybody does, but like just an example of like, you know, you don't like this approach to like 
uh, the the widget spot, then maybe this is you know I mean something like that. That's another thing. I don't know what mm-hmm. you think of that. Yeah. No, I think I really it's that honestly it's I don't project a lot. Like I just receive what you were saying, and again, yeah. I I believe all ideas have some place. You just have to build them out. I mean, again, you continue to build out on your idea and it becomes something. So my job, honestly, and what I do is just to inspire that, inspire you to keep building out your ideas and to give you a place to experience that. Um, Because I'm just big on experience and understanding. Those two things, I've seen the power of what happens when you don't have experience, you lack understanding. When you do have experience, you gain understanding, and that understanding yeah. creates. And so as well, long I, as we're I, doing that, I'm, I'm yeah. all for it. I care more about what I can provide for people that they can internalize than like an externalization, like an invention. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like a device, an external device. I mean, like, that is one way to express yourself, but that's not a way to share something that somebody can internalize. I care about that more. Right. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's one other thing I want to say, but if you got a next guest on. Uh, uh, actually, I didn't. I was, before you guys jumped on, I was planning to uh, wind down and, and jump off. I just try to cap it as, at an hour. Um, and that's usually, uh, the time that I, I usually go for. So I do appreciate, uh, you know, anybody who comes up and wants to share, wants to, uh, maybe even elaborate, add to whatever, because things that are constructive, you know, you build upon things. You don't, I don't, um, tear down, I guess you can say. All right. Well, uh, here's another idea I just came up with tonight. I'm like, okay, basically somebody was talking about artificial intelligence and I was thinking about, um, you know, like some countries have a social credit system, particularly China. Now that's arguable how well that works because I've never been to China. Right. But basically like it's, it's scary, but suppose heaven is heaven. Heaven is, well, heaven is heaven. I can't imagine it, right? But life is sport. Hell is a game, right? A sport is fair by virtue of being a sport. Hell is a game by definition of being the game is sorry. And if you cheated the game is sorry, you get knocked down to shoots and ladders, which is less fair, <laughs> right? So I don't know how that like uh, could incorporate like into an AI system, but there ought to be like a law for artificial intelligence or like a set of laws for artificial intelligence, like a priority list. Like Isaac Asimov wrote the three laws of robotics. And a lot of people talk like they, yeah, they love Isaac Asimov uh, with the three laws of robotics, but I don't hear anybody talking about it on YouTube, including like the people who claim to be concerned about artificial intelligence. I mean, I, I guess you can say that. So being that I'm in this space where um, artificial intelligence is going to be utilized, it's, it's going to be 
a huge part of our existence in the future. Um, the thing is like, I, I look at it like this. Do you create laws for babies that are just born? Um, we don't do that because the baby the thing that's is, just they don't born owe you a is damn coming thing. into life. Yeah, they, they don't. Right. They don't. They don't owe anybody anything. Like, here's the thing. Like, we we need a way. Okay, you know, just the way an indigenous culture, okay, has some 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 uh, just unspeakably primordial richness, okay, <clears throat> to its rites and rituals. Okay, I mean, it's it's just like all that. I mean, if you observe an electron, the electron changes its behavior. That's true for an electron. So just observing a, a, a culture, okay, or a way affects the culture or the way, right? So that's why you need a life stage that's completely uh, detached from 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 technology i think that artificial intelligence is most important for defining the the diminishing returns for high tech in general that could be one yeah i, I mean, just don't it, look it, at it, ai as 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 nightmarish as a lot of people because i understand yeah. the two words that go together you're, it's artificial intelligence. We are now into the point where, again, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. We are so fearful. You have parents fearing the children. And if you fear your children, then you're admitting you did not. They're either not your kids, number one. is That's a deeper conversation we can have. But your lack of preparing them. Because why would I fear the thing which I created? or that I brought help bring to existence. If it is artificial intelligence, it could never be superior to intelligence. But if you fear it, you will guarantee it will exceed your intelligence because you are teaching it that. You are teaching this artificial intelligence to rule you. You're not commanding it as the artificial intelligence that it is. It literally is responsive to what you do. It's more of an assistant than anything. But when we have um, so much fear that we don't create anymore, now this is where artificial intelligence can come take jobs. It can come take over what you do because you're not doing anything. And if we get out of that association of fear, we unwrap that uncertainty, we land on our doubt. Now we're like, okay, this is what it really is. You command the intelligence. You don't. You don't necessarily um, need to be fearful well, yeah, of it because mean, we can utilize this to work less and get actually more in tune to the things like you're saying. Tap in more to nature. Tap in more to our more primordial yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, existence instead of being yeah. so of the world that we're working all the time and we're so industrious. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, like like kind of logistically save time so that you have none. I mean, like if if you if a compass works by virtue of Earth's magnetic field, I mean, that's not because it has a theory of it. I mean, it, and it's 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 going to work in its own right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, humanity is going to be humanity in its own right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but artificial intelligence, I mean, it, it is kind of like the I mean, 
I don't understand people like the constant photo snapping, but that's a an aside. Um, I'm just saying, just observation changes. Uh, it it, it changes uh, electrons. Uh, yeah. Huh. Definitely. The double blind experiment. Or is it the double slit experiment? Um, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. there's, you know, the the thing is, uh, it's just going to, you, you should read the first verse of the first Panishad and see how just unknown, the unknown within you uh, is. That the universe in you is unknown by many, many layers and the, the first verse of the Upanishad the first verse of the first Upanishad uh, lays that all out it's like a Russian doll you know with the multiple shells mm -hmm. yeah one one doesn't know the other and I mean the, the thing is the, like the innocent they're closer to God like the the, the prayers of the innocent that they don't even have to speak it. They can just like, because it's a thought beneath a thought. They're closer to God. I, I'm not afraid of the younger generation. I mean, particularly, I, I'm. We're all thankful for the younger generation in this respect. You know. Definitely, because to me, it it honestly makes no sense. Like, fear has its place, but not as much as we use it. Again, these are. Uh, something I spoke to about is how your emotions are an alert system, an alarm system, not meant to be taken at face value to say, because I'm, I feel angry, I should express anger. It's more so yeah. like a fire alarm. It's like, okay, I'm angry. What is going on that has got me feeling this way? Because I need to get out of that. Um, we're not doing so much of that. Um, we're trying to control every single thing instead of like observing it. And that's more so what I'm saying, like observe your emotions yeah. because just the act of observing them can change it. Um, but to be afraid of a younger generation when you once were a younger generation and somebody was afraid of you, it goes to what the doctor was speaking about earlier about why are you cutting the ends off the roast? You are just now doing it just because it was done and you don't understand what's going on. So the more we yeah. understand that youth, which we used to be, the less we actually fear them and the more we can construct together because that's the only way um, that this is going to ride out in a harmonious fashion. Right now, we are not doing that and we're just fighting each other and you depreciate and we're devaluing and we're not evolving as much anymore. It's starting to slow down because we're going backwards in that, that right at that rate I mean, so this is why well, i say we fear is not necessarily what we need well we need to preserve wildlife is what we need to do like because that's what's truly i mean just you, it's unjudgeable at the same time that it's observable and, and and it's just like there's a difference between receiving a transmission and observing the observable i mean and, and that's that's kind of i mean like yeah that's i'm looking askance when i see somebody like playing gta at a young age or something like that like that's that's more of a transmission to somebody than a than even a game or an objective <laughs> yeah anyway i got 21 seconds but i, I guess you're gonna close it out
Yeah, I'm going to close it out after this. Okay. Uh, got some uh, writing to do, some more developing to do. But I do, again, I appreciate you coming up and, uh, you know, sharing with us. Uh, Y'all hear about that, that Dropbox, the Dropbox. Yeah, so uh, basically you just anybody who wants to, uh, you can reach out to me via Instagram. Um, and that's usually where I have a lot of my my content. That's usually where I do a lot of my uh, just housing of information. I, I go from there. So if you're interested in blockchain, if you're interested in, in knowing about how you can utilize blockchain to empower yourself uh, by taking ownership, over um, your financial future, creating access to new opportunities and controlling, therefore, your future, then uh, I have a course that's about to launch. It's called Bank for Self. And, uh, you know, if that's something that you're interested in, that's all on my Instagram, as well as the links to the community. Uh, I'll just reiterate what I always say when I start this. My name is Sans. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Losers Inspire LC. Um, Losers is an acronym that stands for love, um, outreaching, set expectations, rewarding self. And I'm a guide, which is another acronym that stands for generate, uplift, inspire, develop, and empower you to overcome loss so that you can live inspired every day forever, because that's life. Um, I thank you all for being with me this week. I'll be back again next Wednesday for Wisdom Wednesdays. Until then, uh, you are what you believe. So believe, inspire. Thank you all, and I'll see you next week.